Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Stagecraft. Variety's theater podcast, taking you behind the scenes with the stars and creators of the hottest shows on Broadway, off-Broadway, and beyond. I'm your host, Gordon Cox. On this episode of Stagecraft, I'm talking to the writer and performer Asif Manvi. You're most likely to recognize him from his years as a correspondent on The Daily Show, or from the films and TV shows in which he's appeared, like HBO's The Brink, or Netflix's A Series of Unfortunate Events. But he got his start on stage. His breakout came in the one-man show he wrote and starred in, Sakina's Restaurant, winning an Obie Award for the 1998 play that looks at a cross-section of the immigrant experience as lived by a handful of characters, all played by Manvi himself. Two decades later, he and the theater production arm of Audible are reviving the show for an off-Broadway run that arrives on a political and cultural landscape that's very different than it was 20 years ago. Hey, Asif. Thanks for Hi. joining me. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm How's good. your show going? Good. Yeah. It's, uh, we just, um, I don't know, this is show five, seven, Great. something like that. Yeah. You know, I think I'm finally now having fun with it. <laughs> it takes about a, it, you know it takes a little while but yeah. I feel like now I'm finally in that last night I felt like was the first show that I did where I uh, you know there's always that that moment w- when you're doing a play where you realize that like you're running the play and the play's not running you right. you know and so yeah. I feel like I'm getting to that point now with this run where I'm, I felt like last night was the first night that I was sort of in control of the show rather right. than the show so that was good. That yeah. was a nice feeling. <laughs> Let's start at the beginning for Sakina's mm-hmm. Restaurant. So where were you in your life when you first wrote it, and why, what prompted you to do it? I was in Queens. Okay. And uh, <laughs> and you had – so you had studied in Florida because you eventually ended up in Florida and studied, studied well, theater I, there, my, yeah? My, my parents moved – our family to Florida right. in the early eighties. Right. And that was uh, after London? I, in right? England. I, I grew England, up in, okay. in a city called Bradford in the okay. north of England. Right. And um, so I used to have this northern accent like that, talk yeah. just like that, you know, that, that. And I went from that to like Florida, you know. Yeah. And so <laughs> so um, and then people just thought I was from New York because the melding of the of yeah. the American yeah. and the northern Yorkshire accent, people were just like, Are you from New York? So um, I always felt like a New Yorker in my heart anyway, but I lived in Florida for uh, many years um, and went to school there and uh, started working there at Disney and Orlando and all that. 
doing like comedy improv. Okay, I was going to ask what you did there. Yeah, like, yeah, I did like I was part of a sketch comedy group uh, called Streetmosphere, which is still there, I think. Awesome. Um, and uh, it was uh, it was sort of the beginning of like it was great comedy training, especially right out of school, you know. And um, anyway, then I moved to New York and started auditioning for theater and stuff. And at that time, in the mid '90s, there were no parts for a young, uh, incredibly handsome brown man. Yep. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> so um, it was frustrating. You know, I would I would I would occasionally get a part on like you know uh, New York Undercover or one of those shows that was airing at the time. You know, it was shooting here of like a deli owner or three lines as a cab driver and and it was frustrating because I, I went out to LA for pilot season in 1996 and literally could not did not have a single audition and all of my like Caucasian friends were booking pilots and you know uh, auditioning and and I just sat in my apartment in LA for three months and the phone rang maybe once, you know. And it was your mom. And it was, yeah. exactly. <laughs> and they were like, do you, do you know how to snake charm? I was like, I don't know how to snake charm. <laughs> so you were uh, here and you decided so to I was, write something Yeah, personal? so when I came back to New York, I thought, well, you know what I'm going to do? I'm, I'd already been working on this show idea because I, uh, I was a big fan of uh, Bogosian and uh, Leguizamo and yeah. those guys, and I thought... Yeah, I could see all of those sort of influencing right. that when I saw and it. I, and I sort of thought, you know, I can write a one-man show. And, and I wanted to write characters that were that felt true, that felt authentic, and, and you know, felt like they came out of my uh, American experience, my immigrant experience. Right. They came out of sort of my DNA, you know, Um and and there were no characters like that. There were no characters in theater that I could see. You know, I could I could in theater I, I would get work, you know, doing plays. But it was always like it was either in Shakespeare where you know you always have multiracial casting, and then um, or I would or I would be aping you know sort of white American right. plays and characters like doing Death of a Salesman or you know yeah. Eugene O'Neill or whatever and and. Uh, and so it, it, Tennessee Williams, you know, stuff like that. So even in class, I was always like, and so there were no roles that felt like, oh, they came out of my experience or that I felt connected to. So I started writing these characters inspired by my family. Yeah, I was going to ask, are any of them based on real people or just Yeah, sort of I mean, the parents are definitely based on my on my real parents. And uh, and the rest of the, they're all part of me. They're all, as, you know, as, a, as I've evolved and had more therapy, I realized that, like, you know, they're all aspects of my own uh, multiplicity and my own self. So So it felt like, this is, you know, and then I and then I just started writing, and I started studying with Win Handman at the American. Uh, well, he was the artistic director of the American Place Theater, where right. we ended up doing the show. But I studied with him in his acting class, and Win sort of helped me uh, with the tools of how to shape these characters and how to, you know, he had worked with Leguizamo and Bogosian and right. and uh, people like that, and so. Uh, he helped me construct the the characters into a, a theatrical form because I would come in and I just have these ranting monologues, right. and then he would be like, "All right, now we, we need a little a little theater. We need the structure." You know, so he would like even with the with the father character. I remember Win was the one who sort of said, "You know, maybe the phone keeps ringing all the time," and so mm -hmm. he gets distracted. He has to keep on dealing with customers while he is, you know, and that was a. A very fundamental way of 
writing a monologue that I I hadn't I didn't know at that time, you know, and and so he was the one who sort of like got me um, and shaped them. So it took a few years, and then eventually he produced it at the American Place Theater. And it ran for about six months, uh, you said earlier. It ran for six months. Uh, it, uh, it did won, quite well. It, it won it, a couple yeah. of Obie yeah. Awards. Uh, we, we took it to Toronto. We took it to L.A. We took it to London at the Bush Theater. Um, and was that your breakout? Do you think of it as your... It was the beginning big. of it was the beginning for me. Like it was it was the you know um, it was Ismail Merchant of Merchant Ivory came and saw the the play after the New York Times review came out, and then he cast me as the lead in his uh, his film, The Mystic Masseur. Right. And so that was my first real big movie role, and and I like to think that that was when like sort of people re- sort of started to know oh this Asimovic you know like who he is I mean of course the Daily Show then became like another level altogether but um, right. but uh, that was when it sort of first I feel like that was my first step in my career yeah is Sakina's restaurant based on an actual restaurant on East 6th Street no and if so which one and what should I order <laughs> that's what I was going to ask <laughs> uh, yeah go ahead you okay. go try it um, they're all it's the one with all the lights. Uh, right, exactly. Down, right? Yeah. yeah, it's it's got lights. It's yeah. got like you know cheesy pictures of the yeah. Taj Mahal. There's only one. Yeah. You know the one I'm talking <laughs> yeah, about. Exactly. <laughs> uh, no, it's it, they're all uh, sort of aspects of Sakina's restaurant. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And so this was back in 1998. This was three years before 9/11. Yeah. And many years before you know Trump sort of started. <laughs> yeah. You know, made immigration yeah. kind of. Yeah. Uh, put it at the forefront of the national conversation. Right. How did it land then politically or did it land as a political kind of statement? It wasn't a political play. It was, you know, this was bef- like you said it was before 9/11 and and at that time I even have a joke in the show about uh, you know Americans not knowing what Muslims are, you know, and um right. I think that at that point it was it was very that might have gotten my biggest laugh the the, <laughs> the the answer was that it was a kind of cotton or something. Right, 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 <laughs> yeah. right. Um, so it was, you know, it, it felt like at that time uh, it was a story about immigrants. It was a story about a family coming. It was about the, you know, the the, the disillusionment of the American dream, the, the sacrifice, the joys, whatever. But it didn't feel political. It felt like a very – and then – you know that after 9/11, Muslims became politicized. Uh, the word Muslim, the, you know, the idea of Islam. Suddenly, everyone was like, "What is this religion? Why did this happen to us?" There was a whole question of like, the you know, the Quran was. People were buying the Quran like you know out of right. Barnes and Nobles. It was just flying off the shelves, which it can do by itself. By the way, it's the right. Quran, <laughs> so true. It, it knows how to fly, and so. Um, you know, and suddenly there was a whole different. Uh, b- but when we did, so so now it feels like you know. Uh, it, and again, it was pre-internet as well. Oh, so right, right. that's another you know. Uh, and so now it feels like the world um, has evolved and devolved in in different ways. Yeah. You know, but um, did yeah. you think of it as a political? Uh, does it? Do you feel like you as a as an artist have sort of engaged in politics in the way that you did sort of most overtly on the daily show like is that a thing that you've always kind of done or no actually i, I was never a political artist uh i would uh, you know I was, i've always been a storyteller and that's been my milieu and uh you know when i got on the daily show suddenly i i realized i had this platform and i could talk about things that i 
realized I wanted to talk about, but I didn't know how to or have a platform. And so suddenly sitting on that fence between cultures, being an immigrant and being American at the same time and having this kind of uh, multi, multiple, multiple identity kind of thing uh, allowed me to talk about things on The Daily Show that some of the other correspondents couldn't often talk about. And I was the first non-white correspondent on The Daily Show. Right. So they benefited from that because suddenly they had this like and that was when that was 2006 2006 and uh so once once you know i had that platform and then that in a strange way sort of activated my activist bone and um allowed me to find my political voice or my activist voice and and so now it almost feels like sakina's restaurant does feel in a strange way political because the conversation around immigrants, the conversation around uh, Muslims is 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 so uh, different and 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 so much. You know, when we were discussing Sakina's restaurant, the revival. Yeah, bring it back. This it is with Audible. We should with say. Audible, with yes. Audible, that so when, will also record an audio version and release it. Uh, yeah, as an uh, audio. Subsequently, book. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so uh, when Audible approached me initially, it was, uh, it was you know, the Muslim ban was happening. And right. soon after that, you had little kids being put into cages and separated from their parents at the border. And suddenly this conversation about immigration, this conversation about um, who's an American and, and who's allowed into this country and what does it mean to be an American. Suddenly right. this conversation became so much at the forefront of our national consciousness again that it felt like weirdly Sakina's restaurant was relevant again, you know, in, in a humanizing way. Right, yeah. And what do you find now? It doesn't sound like it's much changed from the version that uh, No, we've, we've made some right? edits, we've made some cuts, uh, but we haven't changed the story. And we've actually said it in the time period that yeah. it was written. Right. So it was, uh, we said it That's in the late 90s. an vintage Game Boy. That must, I know, have, right? that must have been worth some money. I, I, mean. I don't know where they got that from. <laughs> yeah. And of course, on the second day of rehearsal, I broke it. Yeah. So, you know, they spent like, I think about $15,000 to get that Game <laughs> sure. Boy, like a vintage game. And then I like the second day of rehearsal, I drop it and then the, the thing falls out and then they're like, Oh my god! And I was like, I'm so sorry, but <laughs> no, but right. it was—it's actually very similar to the one that we used originally. In the, yeah, yeah. And so, what do you find lands differently or hits home in a different way now as opposed to then? Well, you know, it's—it's. It's, I think that I think that people uh, there's a nostalgia for a kind of American identity that we feel like we have lost as as a nation. I think, and there's a kind of. Uh, on one hand, there's a kind of nostalgia around who we see ourselves as and the America that we, you know, uh, the, and, and, and I think that's one aspect of it. The, the Another aspect of this is immigrants, I think, still see themselves very much in the play, whether you're an Indian immigrant or a Turkish or, you know, whatever. Where If you've come to this country, I mean, I had a, a young woman the other night who was a Chinese-American and she was like, she saw the show and she was like, that's my father. You know, that's my uh, story. So I think the immigrant story hasn't really changed in terms of the American story of immigrants. Um, there are things, of course, in the text that re it's funny. I have this one line where one of the characters says um, any ordinary in America, any ordinary idiot can become rich. And it never used to get a laugh. Right. It was not <laughs> written as a laugh line. Right. And now it, there's inevitably a chuckle in right. the audience. Like at least 10 people will chuckle at that line. Or I feel a, a, a resonance in the audience that, yeah. 
that was never there before. Yeah, so it feels very things, pointed now. Yeah, yeah right. so little things like that obviously have changed. But the, the story itself is a story about a family and a story about their struggles and joys. So that hasn't changed, and I don't think it, uh, it really does, you know. Have you recorded the audio version yet? Is Not that, yet. That, We're going to do it later? soon, yeah. though, yeah. Will that require some changes just in terms of, because you accomplished some of those sort of transitions with, you know, costume elements. Yeah. I don't know how we're going to exactly do that. I, I think we'll probably use music and maybe there'll be some narration in terms of, like, right. this is what's happening. Right. Yeah. So this is the first time you've been on stage in New York since you were in the off-Broadway version of Disgrace, right? Yeah. 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 Um, how, how was it being back? It's great. You know, I mean... Do you, do you enjoy doing plays? I do. And, and theater is my first love. So, uh, I, you know, a lot of people think of me because of The Daily Show uh, as a comedian, as a stand-up. And, and, and I do stand-up. Uh, and I've been doing... Ironically, my career went in, like, I, I got on The Daily Show and then I started doing stand-up right. as opposed to the other way around, which right. for a lot of people. Um, but I... Uh, but theater is where I sort of... My origin story is from. So... I love going back to the theater. And, you know, and, and Sakina's Restaurant, like I said, is, you know, it, it's, it's, it's not only a play that I wrote and I feel very close to, but it's also uh, a way for me to tell a story about, you know, brown people that, that nobody else was telling. And, and then when I did Disgraced a couple of, a few years ago, Aya Doctor's play, yeah. that was the first time since Sakina's Restaurant that I saw a play with a... Um, a South Asian man that felt like it resonated with me, that felt like it was a, a true, nuanced, complicated portrayal, you know? Right, yeah. And you ended up not joining that production on Broadway because you were working on The Brink, is that yeah, right? Or, yeah, yeah. I, I, it, was, it was really um, one of the big heartbreaks of my career that I couldn't do it on Broadway because we... Uh, I, I, I was, I mean, look, it was a, uh, it was a wonderful position to be in, uh, but I was doing this HBO series called The Brink right. with Jack Black and Tim Robbins, and uh, we couldn't make it. You were also a writer on, right? Were, which I also yeah. got hired as a writer uh, on, and so it was an amazing, that was an amazing experience. But um, yeah, it was, it was sad that I couldn't do uh, Disgraced on Broadway, and you know, although it, you had, we should say you had been on Broadway in the Trevor in, Nunn, Oklahoma, yes, that ran, yes. uh, whatever, in 2002. 2002, I was in, uh, yeah, which again, I feel like was a direct result of my, my sort of Sakina's, original Sakina's sure. restaurant thing. And, and then people, so Trevor came and auditioned me for, and that was a weird thing because I, again, never done a musical. I've, I've done things where I feel like I shouldn't, I shouldn't. This I did not predict doing this in my career. Like I, like a musical on Broadway was not not on my checklist. Would you do another? That's know? one of my questions. Would you do another? Like, is that a thing you I did, would well, like? I did, oh, I did, I'd love to do another musical. I did Brigadoon at the City Center. Oh, that's right. Like yeah. last year, yeah. and uh, with with Patrick Wilson again, and Kelly right. O'Hara, and all those guys. And of course, I didn't. I always so. I get cast as the guy who doesn't sing, right. like the funny guy right. in the musical. You right. know, um, do you also, sing? I do, but not. You know, when I when I heard Patrick Wilson singing for the first time in rehearsals at Oklahoma, we did we did our first rehearsals at the National Theater in London, and we started there. Oh, right. yeah. And then, and I remember like the first week of rehearsals for Oklahoma, Trevor uh, said no singing. You know, everyone's just going to when you get to the songs, you just talk them. Uh, and so we did that. And, and, you know, I'd never been in a musical before. I didn't know what to expect. I'd only done straight plays. And 
Then one day uh, he says, okay, we're going to sing now. And then Patrick Wilson opened his mouth and started singing. And I was like, oh, I really <laughs> should not be here. <laughs> like, what is happening? You know, and suddenly I felt like I was in a completely different universe. So I was, so, but I had a patter song. Yeah, yeah, which right? yeah, which yeah. was great, and it was it was a lot of fun. Oklahoma was so much fun. It yeah. was it was, um, and I did it for a year, and and it was just the the best time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> do you have any more plays in you, and as a writer, do you think? Well, you know, uh, I actually have a commission at Lincoln Center for oh. for a play that I'm supposed to be writing. Lincoln Center, which is where Disgrace started w- out in New right. York. Right. Yeah. Exactly, and so I I currently. Um, uh, have a commission from them to write a play. How's that going? It's it's going. Yeah. It's coming along. Uh, there's there, there's a there's a play on my computer which is about 742 pages, and okay. so, okay. that I've been writing for about eight years, and uh, I have no idea. Did that originate? What, Around the time of Disgraced or before that? No, it was actually right after 9-11 I started writing a okay. play. Um, and, and, I don't, and I don't know if it's ultimately going to end up being a one-person show again or something like that. I'd like to do another one-person show and right. figure that out. Why? Why? What is it about? I like the medium. I, I actually I hate other actors, uh, and <laughs> yeah. I don't like sharing the spotlight. No, it, <laughs> I, I like the medium, and I like the ability to um, – you know, one of the, one of the, uh, the great aspects of Sakina's Restaurant is that there's a uh, the story of a character who becomes other people and then therefore moves through his own journey and stuff and i like that um shape-shifting kind of quality of like uh, seeing one story uh told through multiple perspectives you know in that way and and they, and, and maybe it will be with other actors as well i mean i don't i'm not entirely opposed to other actors <laughs> yeah. they they have their good points yeah. <laughs> And you alluded to this a little bit earlier, but in the 20 years since you first did Sakina's Restaurant, mm-hmm. how have you seen opportunities for, you know, actors of Indian descent or Southeast Asian actors or Muslim American actors or even non-white actors in general? How have you seen them? How, has, how have those opportunities expanded or have they? Have they, they have. I mean, you see a lot more, you know, but they keep calling it diversity, which right. always is a dirty word to me. But, you know, um, it is much more about representation and about like people, uh, stories being told that are multiple and have uh, multiple perspectives. And so I feel like we are seeing more stories now. We are seeing, you know, with Master of None and with Mindy and, mm-hmm. you know, um, different, the, you know, there, there are South Asian actors, Crazy Rich Asians, you know. Right. We are seeing uh, a multiplicity of stories. And, and, and that helps us, I think, as a culture and as a society that, that, that not all the stories are about white people. Um, right. But still, having said that, there is a sense that the what's considered, quote, unquote, normal is still is still stories about white people, you know, right. and and so um, we don't we don't you know I, I make the joke that like we have the story crazy rich Asians, but we need a story that was just like normal Asians, <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh-huh. not, not, they're not crazy or rich, you know, right. I, and and that's the thing still that like there is this sense that like when you tell a story about people of color, it has to be like the the worst thing that ever happened or the greatest thing that ever you know it's got to be like you know uh, that. Like you know uh, that movie, uh, uh, the, what was the one about the three black women that saved NASA? You know, oh yeah, um, um, uh, invisible figures. 
uh, hidden, fig, hidden figures. Hidden figures. Good. Yes. Good. Yeah, yeah. Invisible figures. Maybe eventually. a better time. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, like that, a story like that where it's like they saved NASA. That's how high the bar right. is set for them to make a movie about three black women. It's got to be like you know. Uh, meanwhile, you've got like you know Jennifer Lawrence making that movie Joy, which is about a, a white woman that invented a mop. Like right. that's the story. Right. You know what I mean? And you're like, you're like, okay, so. This is the, this is where right. it is, you know. Right. So like when we can when we can tell stories like that, you know, I have a whole. It's it's like if that was a Muslim woman and I was like, oh, her name is Fatima and she invents a mop. No, we're not making that story, yeah. <laughs> like when, you know. So, and so how I, do we get there? Do you do we just keep telling more stories? I think we or? just keep telling more stories. I think I think we tell uh, and and look, it's it, it's happening. You know, uh, there are, there are more writers, there are more storytellers. I think, and that's where it is. I think it, it's like in the in the kind of where we'll use the word diversity, the diversity of stories, you know, uh, uh, and and the the sort of sense of uh, the, there's a larger palette of the American experience uh, th- that we can we can talk about, you know, and that's happening. And it's interesting that right now, as we are seeing a progressiveness towards that in our culture, we are also seeing a uh, a reaction to that. You know, and Trump, I think, is the is the reaction to that movement towards progressivism and that movement towards inclusiveness and representation that is happening. Um, and we're seeing a, pull, a reaction of nativism and populism and sort right. of you know uh, shutting our borders and building walls and all that stuff yeah. as well. Yeah. You mentioned that your career had taken you in places that you never thought you'd go. Yeah. Um, where would you like it to go that it hasn't been yet? Where? What would you like to explore that you have? Um, you know, I've never uh, started my own TV show, uh, and, and that would be something I, mean, that I would love to do. I was watching Sakina's Restaurant, and I thought, well, this could be this a could TV be a show TV right show. here. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, I, I, I haven't done that yet. I, I would like to, you know, uh, be at the helm of, like, something that, that I am creating. You know, I did Today's yeah. Special, which was, the, which was the film that was inspired by Sakina's Restaurant. Right. And, um, right. and, and, you know, and I want to produce more. I'd like to, you know, it's a classic. I want to direct, you know, right. but, but I do, I have, I have things and I have story. I have more stories that I want to tell. And that's, and that's the thing I want to either, whether I am acting in them or producing them or whatever, there, there are many more stories that I want to tell, you know, but, um, but it has been, I've had a, I've been lucky and fortunate in a way, cause I, I don't like to do the same thing for too long. You know, when I'm doing comedy all the time, I, I itched to do dramatic work, and it was so great on The Daily Show because John was very um, cognizant of that, and he would let me go off and do other things, so I got to go do Disgraced or, right. you know, The Last Airbender or whatever it was, right. you know. Where was I, comedy a surprise to you in terms of what you, you as an actor, were you always sort of... I was always doing comedy. Comically you know, when inclined. You, yeah, when you go to theater school, you know, you kind of do both. You never think about it, really. You know, you're like, but I uh, I always uh, was a comedic actor as well as a dramatic actor, and so I enjoy both, but I like being able to uh, go back and forth, and, and, and you know, and, and, and like I said, I've had, like, the weirdest, uh, you know, career so far. Like, it's, like, I got to do Oklahoma on Broadway, which is a musical. I got to do a Merchant Ivory film, which, mm-hmm. you know, and then I got to be on The Daily Show. It's a right. very sort of like, <laughs> like I, you know, the resume is sort of like, who is this guy? You know, what, but, but I think that I've, as I've gotten older, I've, I've sort of learned to embrace that sense of, like, multiplicity, that, like, I really am a person who enjoys doing different things. And Sakina's Restaurant is an embodiment of that, you know? Yeah. 
And what's on your plate immediately coming up after this? You're in the show for the next uh, few weeks. Yeah, so um, I have a, uh, a show uh, that I'm developing uh, with Apple mm-hmm. uh, that uh, me and my wife actually um, created. Great. And it's more of a uh, throwback to my, my daily show, sort of non-scripted world. Oh, uh, okay. So it's, 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 it's a non-scripted show. So I'm developing that with Apple, and I have a couple of other... News-based? In order it's kind of it's, in that it's kind sort of, of like in that, in that yeah. realm, yeah. It's, it's kind of what, uh, sort of in the realm of what we did in terms of the field pieces we did on the Daily yeah, Show. Okay. So it's sort of that sort of uh, thing. And then, um, and then I have some other writing projects that I'm developing and stuff. And then I'm doing a recurring on Blue Bloods this season, oh, yes, which right. is kind of fun. Yeah. yeah, you live here in New York, right? I live yeah. here in New York, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, so there's some projects that I'm producing and creating right. you know, in and, the next few months. And when will we see this play? Your new play. This my new play? Yeah, your oh, new the, play. the the uh, one that Lincoln, yeah, yeah. yeah. That well that's a very good question. Yeah, you know, I think I think I think Lincoln Center is asking the same thing. Like, <laughs> sure. she's, when they gave me the commission, they said, Now don't take ten years to write this play and I was like, I absolutely won't and you know, now I'm worried that yeah. But yeah, no, I want I want to uh this has actually gotten me inspired again because I sort of was, you know what what's so what's so interesting about this business is that one of the gifts of this business is is when you can get to do what you want to do the way you want to do it and and sort of see your thing in that's a very rare thing in this business because this because often in television and hollywood you get so sort of like inundated with everybody else's kind of like you know your your what the network mandate is or whatever you know what i mean and you're you're at the you're at the sort of mercy of like executives and people who are in charge of your creative voice and whether you get to tell your story to the world. And so um, this has sort of inspired me again because I've been in that world for a while now where it's like sometimes really frustrating. You know, you feel like, oh, you can't get your story out there because we have another show with a brown person on it or whatever it is. You know, we still can't have two Muslim stories at the same time. What? You know, so, so it's sort of like, the theater, you know, sometimes feels like, oh, okay, it feels like a refuge for me, like, uh, you know, where I can go back and, and tell the story the way I want to tell it. So actually doing Sakinas has inspired me to, like, get back into that uh, other play that I was working on. Can you, you tell know? us anything about it? It was it was originally written, it was written after 9-11 that I started writing it, and it's about a... Um, a relationship between an older Pakistani Muslim man and the woman that he was in love with when he was young and he goes back to see her after his wife died and it's kind of a, a, a sort of a, a nostalgic sort of piece but I don't know if it's that anymore because right, there's right. a whole other yeah. elements to it like I said it's like it's literally like hundreds of pages long right now and I have monologues and scenes you know I'm sort of writing in a very Stephen Adley Gerges kind of way where I'm just sort of like writing scenes that just come out of nowhere and then figuring out like how they all connect at some point which is how I wrote Sakinas you know it was never written I'm not a linear writer I don't write like 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 Sakinas was sort of written hodgepodge kind of like a character here a character there and then I figured out and then Uzgi was the last character Uzgi is oh, the narrator yeah, of the show yeah he's the narrator of the show he was the last character to be created and because I needed a vehicle right. and then I realized oh he's the main character he's the way in, yeah. you know and so um that's kind of what's happening with this play, which is that I'm sort of writing scenes and monologues and characters, and then I'm going to have to figure out how to do it all, and then 
uh, figure out if I want to play all those people or want to just right. cast them, you know. Right. As, as so, yeah, it's 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 there. It's on my computer. I swear to God. Right. <laughs> if Lincoln Center is listening, right, I have a play on my computer. <laughs> I just need to get it to you. Excellent. <laughs> well, we can't wait to see it whenever it arrives. Well, thank you. Yeah, thanks, Austin. Thanks. Nice to talk to you. You yeah. too. That was Asif Manvi, now starring off-Broadway in Sakina's Restaurant, with an audio version of the play soon to be available from Audible. If you like what you've heard on this and other episodes of StageCraft, don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes, and subscribe wherever finer podcasts are dispensed. On the next episode of StageCraft, I'll be talking to the veteran actor Christopher Lloyd about his role in Pound, a new off-Broadway play about the poet Ezra Pound. Until then, see you at the theater. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.